You are listening to the Investing.com's weekly crypto podcast with your host, Clément Thibault. Hello, everyone. Have a great Sunday. Welcome to Cryptalk, Investing.com's crypto podcast, weekly crypto podcast, where we go over the weekly news and then we try to understand what's been going on today and this week in crypto markets. So before I begin this week, I've been asked to actually talk a little bit about who this podcast is for. So this podcast is for you, basically, if you're interested in cryptocurrencies, but you don't really spend your day following them. So I, I know that there's a lot of people that are really into cryptocurrencies and there's a lot of other podcasts for that. But we're, we're trying to do something here that speaks to you if you're not a cryptocurrency enthusiast. I mean, if you are in a way, but not like a hardcore one. So this is a podcast that's trying to appeal to you to see if maybe, you know, you want to stay updated with the weekly news, but you don't have really time to follow. So these are, this is supposed to be a 20 minute podcast where we can go over the weekly news and you can stay updated without really spending time on it. So that's what it is. And uh, let's go to the weekly news. All right. So let's go. There's never a dull week in crypto and this one hasn't been dull either. So let's get into it. So we're going to talk about Tether and, and Bitfinex and a possible insolvency. It's been rumored uh, this week that Bitfinex might not be solvent, which is critical if you have any money on any exchange. We're going to talk about dropping volumes, uh, both in crypto trading and in, in ICOs. So we're going to see what are the implications and why it's happening. Uh, we're going to talk about Binance, which opened a new charity. Uh, we're going to talk about the pump and dump on the Yobit exchange, a Russian exchange, which you're going to see it's very weird what's going on there. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. And we're also going to mention Petro. So that's Venezuela's cryptocurrency. Let's get into it. All right. So let's start with the most important news of the week, at least in my opinion. And it's Tether uh, losing the peg. So Tether, for those who don't know, is a stable coin, which means that it's a cryptocurrency, but it's just it's supposed to be pegged to the dollar. So there's a company called Tether Holdings that is, you know, in charge of all the projects. And they issue tokens worth $1 when you transfer you dollars to them. So they're supposed to have $1 in a bank account for every token that they issue. So it's supposed to be some kind of a stable, redeemable you know, token for $1. Now, the problem over the past couple of weeks is that while Tether used to trade for almost a dollar, it now trades for less, right? So you'd expect to be an arbitrage opportunity where someone could come in and actually make money, you know, buy tethers for 97 cents and then sit and then try to redeem them and you'd get $1 out of it, which is, you know, it's like a three, it's like 3% gain. So someone would do it, but no one is doing it. And the peg is actually losing value. And that, in my opinion, you know, makes the value of the entire industry come into question because if the reason for, you know, there's only one reason that the, the peg won't hold is that the market has lost the, the, the ability to believe the company that they actually have a dollar and are able to redeem. Now, this comes into a much, much bigger story because the company that, that is operating Tether has never really proved that it actually has. You know, there's like $2.8 billion, I think, printed by this, you know, by the Tether cryptocurrency. And we've never seen a report that says by an auditing firm that says that they actually went over the books and Tether actually has the money it has. So basically, 
on in the worst case scenario, Tether just invented $2.8 million out of nowhere and they don't have them. And since Tether is now responsible for like 67 or 57% of the volume, that would mean that the entire cryptocurrency economy would crash without it. And if it turns out to be a scam, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the major coins will crash. Now, this ties in interestingly with the Bitfinex insolvency rumors. So earlier this week, there was a report on Medium that, you know, a lot of people have reached out to Bitfinex and try to, you know, redeem and take back their money and weren't able to and opens a lot of and opened a lot of tickets to support, but that they never got an answer from the support team and that people are actually waiting for their money and can't get it back. Now, the interesting thing is that those two things come together and, you know, at the beginning, Tether and Bitfinex claimed that there was absolutely no relation between them. But we now know that's false. And one of the things that came out in the Paradise Papers uh, in 2017, if you remember, that's tax evasion. You know, the, they got a lot of papers from the lawyers and they found out that a lot of people evaded paying taxes. And one of the things that they figured out is that the Tether Holdings Corporation is actually, was actually incorporated by two people, two Bitfinex of officials. So that would mean that there is a connection. And since then, the companies have both confirmed that there is a connection. So there is a link between Tether and Bitfinex. And if one of the two goes bad, it's very probable that both of them will go bad. And the Bitfinex is still one of the biggest exchanges that we have today. And a lot, a lot of people have money there. And, and we always know that when you trade, there's a third, you know, there's, there's counterparty risk. There's a third party involved. And, you know, if the, if the exchange goes but like it happened with Mt. Gox, then it is what it is, you know, and you'll use your money. So I think there's, there's big questions here to be asked. If, if you really want to keep your money on Bitfinex and if you trade on Bitfinex or have thought of, of trading on Bitfinex, you know, if Tether goes down and it looks that way in the past couple of weeks and, and Bitfinex rumors, obviously Bitfinex denied that they were, you know, insolvent, but that would make sense. Of course, they would never admit it anyway. But I think that, you know, it's a big, big, big red flag. And, and there's a lot to look at right now. And my opinion, you know, I would not trade on Bitfinex right now. And I would not buy any tethers right now. And I would, I would try to, you know, stay on the sideline until we can figure out this entire, this entire mess that is happening right now. Because it's really unclear. You know, I think we'll see in the coming weeks it develop. And, I, you know, I'll surely be on it and I'll update. But I don't think it looks too good right now, neither for Tether or for Bitfinex. So it'll be very, very, very interesting to see what happens going forward. All right, our second topic is the slumping volumes, uh, both in crypto trading and in ICOs. So let's start with the trading. We have Coinbase, a report that comes out and says that Q3 volumes were the lowest of the past year. So we've, we're back basically to Q2 2017 before, you know, the entire crypto madness has begun. And, you know, that, that makes sense in a way because, you know, there's a lot of people that are not interested in crypto anymore. You know, we've, we've lost a lot of people because, uh, because of the price drop. And a lot of people, you know, have lost money and don't see crypto as a viable way to make money anymore. So that's one. Uh, we see that the volume of, on Coinbase has been about $10 billion in, in Q3. And which is, you know, it's I think the top I think they topped out at like 40 billion or f between 40 to 50 billion. 
So that shows you where we are now compared to where we were a few months back. And the only coin that is still growing in volume is actually Bitcoin. I mean, obviously, it's not growing compared to January, but it's still growing compared to last year. So Bitcoin in Q3 this year, uh, it's 5.4 billion in volume, while it was 4.6 billion last year. So while volume in all coins crashed, basically, volume, uh, Bitcoin was still able, uh, well, volume-wise, to, to hold its own. So that's, uh, I mean, that, that's good news if you're a BTC enthusiast, no doubt. And, you know, you still see that there's strong interest and it's definitely the strongest coin today. I mean, there's no, do there's no doubt about it. Now, ICO volumes are down as much as 90%, you know, from 3 billion in January, if I'm not mistaken. That, that's about what people raised in January when the markets were at the top to about 300 million in September. So again, the, this speaks a lot to, you know, the interest of people in cryptocurrency. And, you know, you can see that if you go to that Google Trends chart that I know that some people don't like for some reason, but still, you can see, you know, the search volume for the world Bitcoin over the past year. And you could see that while January, February was craziness and it was like 100, it, you know, today people don't even search for Bitcoin. So if you're not really into it, you know, the, the, that industry, you know, it's not retail is not very interested in crypto right now. I mean, at least until it starts making people money again. And then obviously we'll see another up cycle. But regarding ICOs, I mean, yeah, the, the prices obviously impact. And I know that from the traditional world of IPOs, you don't IPO in a down market. That's something that a lot of people are trying to avoid doing. So if so if indices are, are slumping, you know, and they're not performing, you're not going to get your money's worth if you IPO right now. So that's why a lot of people actually postpone IPOs to try to catch more favorable market conditions. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the same in with ICOs. So people are actually waiting. I'm sure that there's some projects where people are actually waiting until, you know, the crypto comes back and there's another upcycle and then, you know, they can continue the ICO. Uh, the second thing is that, of course, we don't know where the regulator stands. And while, you know, a year ago, a lot of people were just making it because it was, you know, a way to make quick money and actually raise money quickly. I mean, we have seen the SEC, you know, we've seen the SEC making some investigations over ICOs. And that's interesting. I think we've seen Centratech, which the SEC has taken down. So it's, it's you know, it makes sense to me that the volumes are down. There's more uncertainty. It's, it's not as easy to make a quick profit as it was a few months back. So it definitely makes sense. So that's what it is for crypto. You know, as long as the prices are down, we're still going to see slumping volumes. We're still going to see slumping ICOs. But I don't really think that it means the death of the industry. I mean, I really won't be surprised if if Bitcoin reaches $10,000 again. I think we'll see another batch. We'll see the ICO 2.0, whether it will be security tokens. I don't know where the regulator will stand, you know, by then. But I'm sure that we'll see it, the activity pick up as we'll see Bitcoin's price pick up. So that's where we stand right now regarding that. And all right, let's move on. Our third topic is uh, regards also an exchange, this time Binance, so a Chinese exchange. Uh, so Binance has always had transparency concerns. And, you know, among the community, it's been known that they charge about 400 Bitcoin as a listing fee which is about $2.6 million 
if you want to be listed on Binance. Now, the big news this week is that they decided to rebrand the fee as a donation and open a charity that, you know, so first of all, you know, without being cynical, it's great news. I mean, you'd like them to, you'd like people that got wealthy to give back to the community. And if that's a way of Binance, you know, if that's Binance's way of doing that, then great. You know, I'm all for it. Uh, the thing is that, first of all, rebranding it as a donation, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, you don't even know what's going to happen to the money that, you know, they, they've made a ton of money in the past year. And rebranding this as a donation, you know, now they're saying that the size of the donation that you make will not have any impact on if Binance decides to list you or not which I found curious, uh, they opened the Blockchain Charity Foundation. So the purpose of that foundation is to lift the bottom billion out of poverty, which again, you know, you, you got to appreciate. I mean, the, 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 the goal, the goal is, is beautiful. And but, you know, I know that a lot of people are skeptical about Binance because it's a charity that they run. So basically they ask you to donate to a charity that they run I know that, you know, Binance has not been very transparent over the listing fees or over anything, really. So a lot of people are skeptical and are saying, listen, OK, so this goes to your charity. And, you know, how will we know well, what's going on in the charity? So, again, this is not questions that we have answers for. So we know that Binance is making it the PR move, if you want, of opening a charity. But, of course, it'll, it's going to be hard to, to follow the money and to track the money. So we'll have to track the foundation's you know spending and achievements in order to see if really money is is getting there now one criticism that there's been uh, over this uh charity is that it's run by helen high and and according to breaker mag she ran a factory in ethiopia which paid people less than 50 bucks a month so that's a report from breaker mag that came out this week and questioning if, you know, if she's really the right person to now run a charity when, you know, we know that she herself has been involved in some shady underpaying people in the third world kind of thing. So that's a report from them. It doesn't help with the feeling that Binance is shady. You know, this is a feeling that anyone and everyone in the crypto community has. And even though, you know, the founder has been, you know, quite open and, and responsive. I mean, there's still, you still don't know what's going on there and still a very, like, black box. It's still very closed. So that's, that's good news with some skepticism. You know, I hope that Binance will actually go through with this plan. And I hope that, you know, their foundation, we know that Binance made billions of dollars over the past couple of years since it's been, you know, since it's been created. So it'll be great to see it using those profits to actually help people. And so I'm definitely not going to judge yet because it's too early. Uh, but skepticism, of course. But yeah, hopefully, you know, it, the world will be a better place if, if another $2 billion are, you know, put into good things and, and trying to help people. So I'm definitely hoping that's going to happen. Skeptical, but I'm really hoping it's going to happen. Our second to last subject of the day is Petro. So Petro is the Venezuelan cryptocurrency issued by the government. It's supposed to be backed by the country's assets. 
So it's supposed to be backed by 50% oil, which Venezuela is known to have some. <laughs> it's backed by gold, iron, and diamonds. I mean, it's supposedly, of course, backed by all these things because we won't really know. But the news is that Venezuela is now forcing citizens to pay for passports renewals with Petro. And, and that's, that's the news here. Now, first of all, I think the equivalent is about for renewing your passport is, is two months of salary. So the government, of course, isn't making it easy for people to get a passport so that they'll be able to get out of the country and enter other countries. But that's a discussion for another day. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see kind of a last resort trying to manufacture something out of nothing from the Venezuelan government. I mean, we've all seen the testimonies and it's not very hard to know that, you know, there's a real crisis going on over there. And, and people with, with nothing to eat. And, you know, it's, it's very troubling to know that this is happening in the world. And, and so this issuance of a cryptocurrency is, you know, in my opinion, an attempt to kind of ride up a popular technology, you know, wave and, and try to see if, if the Venezuelan government can somehow make money out of it. Uh, the U.S. already said that participating in Petro and owning Petro is actually a potential violation of the sanctions against Venezuela. So the U.S. is is already trying to take steps to, you know, not allow people from the U.S. to buy and, and to give money to the Venezuelan government. It, it's completely government-controlled, so we don't even know at this point if the supply will be finite or not. You know, just like the government-controlled, just like the central bank can print more money, we don't even know that you know, Petro will not get printed more. And it's supposed to be backed by assets. But again, you know, you got to trust the Venezuelan government that it's backed by the assets. And I'm not sure how it's redeemable. And I mean, it just looks like a mess to me right now. So I wouldn't advise anyone to invest in, in Petro at this point. I mean, it seems even crazy to suggest. Now, the cryptocurrency will be available for purchase, I mean, starting the beginning of November, November 5th. But I'm just saying that, you know, so you have the full info. Uh, it's really, it's again, it's completely government controlled. And you might as well invest in Venezuelan bonds, if that's your thing, if you want to ride high risk. You know, but that's, you know, something that a government that is already problematic uh, can just seize your funds and can just issue more and create inflation you know, I think that issuing a cryptocurrency is not a way to avoid, you know, hyperinflation. And if you issue more and more and more of the tokens, then you'll have the exact same result as you're going to have with the currency, which is hyperinflating right now. So blockchain is not a solution for that. And I'm, again, I'm, I just think that they're trying to raise some money at some kind of desperation move to try to appeal to you know, people interested in technology and crypto and they've heard that it's cool and everything. But I really don't think that they know what they're doing right there. And I, and I really wouldn't advise to put a single dollar in the Venezuelan cryptocurrencies. So that was kind of a down segment, I know. But I mean, it's, it's news because the government is forcing adoption. You know, it's forcing adoption on the banks in Venezuela. It's forcing adoption on the people. And... You know, it's all, the country is already in, in quite a sorry state. So it'll be, you know, I, I'll follow that story. But I really don't think that it's, it's going anywhere good. I really don't. 
All right, so uh, with that, let's move to our last news of the day. All right, last but not least, I promised you uh, something weird at the beginning of the episode, and here we are. So Yobit is uh, an exchange, a Russian exchange, and a few days ago, they announced that they were going to pump a coin on their exchange. So they just announced it on Twitter, and they had a big timer on their website, you know, with, you know, counting to zero with the pump date and everything. And and they said that they were going to buy one Bitcoin worth of a random cryptocurrency for 10 minutes. So basically, they were going to buy one Bitcoin every minute and pump the, and, and pump the price of the cryptocurrency. So uh, that was on Thursday. So on Thursday... Uh, I logged into the website trying to see what's going on, and they have chosen Putin coin. So that's the coin that they chose to pump, and it went up about 1,400% on their exchange because they just bought so much of it, and they just kept on buying and buying and buying. And at this point, I honestly have no idea what's the legal implications of that, you know, uh, you could say that, you know, they just announced buying a position and that's okay, but they also marketed it as a pump. So they they weren't even trying to somehow mask what they were doing. They just said, "Hey guys, hey guys, we're going to host a pump." And and we're we're not just going to host a pump, we're going to initiate one. Now, Yobit is known in Telegram circles to be the exchange of choice for pumps. Right? That's generally known. A lot of the pumps that happen happen on Yobit. But having the exchange itself coming out and saying, listen, guys, we, the exchange, are going to pump a certain coin is, is insane to me. And I have no idea wh whose idea is it and how they are planning on going through with it and avoiding, you know, sanctions for doing it. Now, it's unclear right now if, if anyone actually managed to, to withdraw money and, and actually made money at that pump. I, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I'm, I'm trying to realize the absurdity of the situation where an exchange is coming out and saying, listen, we are going to pump a certain coin. And, and if, if Thursday wasn't enough, they're doing another one this week. So if you go on Yobit right now, you'll see that they are waiting. And in about 24-something hours, they're going to pump another coin. And... And I think this speaks to the sorry state of the cryptocurrency industry. And really, you know, I, I love the project. I love everything. But, but having an exchange come and, and pumping like that, it's the exact opposite of the image that you want to have to the world. You know, how does the cryptocurrency industry look if things like this are ha happening in the open? You know, they're not hiding it. They're not masking it in any way. In the open, they're, they're coming and saying, listen, we are going to pump something. And, you know, I think it really drives people away. And, and when people afterwards, you know, try to label the entire crypto space as scammers, that's exactly the kind of thing, that's exactly the kind of ammunition they need to state their case. And, and Yobit is just giving it to them. And it's incredible. Why would you do that? You know, why would you pump something on your exchange? I know that it probably brought traffic. And I know that they spent 10 BTC on the pump and i think that the volume that day was about 140 btc just on putin coin so of course they're probably doing it to drive traffic 
but using this kind of method you know it would be better to have one of those scammy ethereum giveaways on twitter and just be like hey guys we're giving away you know whatever and just send us something and we'll send you back it's better than just coming out and just pumping a random coin so that's a bit of nonsense to, to end the podcast with and it's again i've never seen anything like that before so when i was saying it's weird i really meant it i mean i have no idea how to deal with it and then again what are the implications i know that they're already a favorite exchange for pump and dump so i i promise you a little bit of weirdness at the end and and i think that this definitely delivers so that's it for uh, for this week so like last week you know uh, please reach out to me on twitter if you want to at clem Thibault. Uh, that's where you can find me and then mention me and I'll, I'll be sure to take your criticisms into account. Uh, I'm looking forward to get them really because uh, I really want to make this podcast better and I want to make it last. And, and I think that the way to do that is seeing what you guys like and what the readers and what the listeners want to hear. And that's what we'll do. So please feel free to reach out to us and we'll be in touch. And next, uh, next Sunday, the podcast will come from Korea as I'm uh, going to speak at the Korea Blockchain Expo. So we'll be in Korea next week and uh, have a great week, everyone.